the late Paul Harvey called his Missouri home Reveille. Reveille is a French word that means wake up. Wake up. Whenever a feast of Yahweh comes along, we get a wake-up call in so many different ways. Like the peals of the trumpet calling all to come gather at his feast, at his moed. Here we are only three weeks away from Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's amazing how fast it can come. I hope all within earshot are preparing to join us on April 15th through the 23rd. Look for the Abbey Moon this coming Friday and even Thursday, because it could be seen Thursday, slight possibility. If it happened to be that way, we moved everything up a day. But uh, it seems like this year, all the critical new moons are iffy. So we want to make sure we get out there and look. We're going to need all the help we can get to confirm the Yahweh's calendar. What else should we do, be doing to prepare for Yahweh's feast and his Passover? What else? Is there something we need to work towards, we need to think about, that we might prepare for? The apostle instructs us to personally examine ourselves before Passover in 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 27, he says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the master unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the master. But let a man examine himself, and then so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, there's that word again, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the master's body. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Yahshua the Messiah is in you, except you be reprobates. He's in his people, but not against, not in, in uh, the sinners and the, those who are working against his will. The 20th century New Testament says, put yourselves to the proof to see whether you are holding the faith. Test yourselves. Surely you recognize this fact about yourselves that Yahshua the Messiah is in you, unless indeed you cannot stand the test. I often wonder, how am I measuring up to the great apostles, patriarchs, the ones we read about all through the scriptures, the ones who put their faith first in everything? Can I even come close to that? Am I giving my life daily for Yahshua and the body of the saints? Or am I in coast-along mode? Just things are fine. I'm doing well. I, I do enough. Do I live my life as I wish while alleging to be of Yahshua? Do I make every effort to be a servant of Yahweh? In all areas of my life. In other words, can I even compare my dedication to the greats in the scriptures? We hear from those who are aware of Yahweh's seven annual commanded observances. We hear a lot. But they never thought to obey that command. That means 
they have not given their lives totally over to Yahweh. They're lukewarm. Their personal tradition of noncompliance comes first in their lives. I haven't done it, and so I'll continue having not doing it. Then there are the majority who have found nothing in Scripture about Sunday worship, Ishtar, Xmas, nothing in Scripture to support it, and they keep religiously observing these days anyway. They keep days based entirely on church tradition, man-made customs, man-made ritual, man-made ceremony, man-made formalities. They think that's the way to go. Whatever the church tells me, that's what I do. Because they enjoy the atmosphere of each of these holidays. They enjoy sitting in the, the, um, the pew with uh, these uh, sun rays coming in through the stained glass, warm and fuzzy feelings, and they like that. That's what they're in for, apparently. As the old mantra goes, we do it the way we do it because that's the way we've always done it. When the Roman church forced Sunday worship on the world, they struggle with the problem of having zero scriptural mandate for it. There's no scriptural proof of it. And they never found it, but decreed Sunday worship anyway for the last 2,000 years because they had the power to do it. They completely ignored the Bible's many commands its narratives, its practices, its instances, its associations, its parallels, its examples to keep Yahweh's days, his Sabbath, and seven annual feast days. And they completely ignore all that. Because that's what I've always done. Moses' writings are chock full of feast directives, including whole chapters like Exodus chapter 12, 23, Leviticus 23, Numbers 29, Deuteronomy 16. How much more do you need? They read in the New Testament that Yahshua and his apostles observed the Passover and the feasts as the law commanded. But they were told that the laws that he kept were only for him. He kept them for us. Does that make any sense? Then why is his apostles keeping him? Why is he commanding people as he walked by Galilee? day in and day out, to obey the Father. Why? We all know that Moses was a great law transmitter, but did you know he was also a prophet? When he instructed the Levites to place the book of the law on the side of the ark, he anticipated a time when that law, which is tantamount to Yahweh's own mind, anticipated that it would mean nothing to people and would even be despised by some. It was Deuteronomy 31 that Moses described our day. Deuteronomy 31.25. Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, your Elohim, that it may be therefore a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, You have been rebellious against Yahweh. He saw it firsthand. He lived with these people. He lived with them who didn't want to obey Yahweh. He says, I know, I know. I know you're stiff-necked. 
Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I might speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. (laughs) For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way, the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you. Notice the next words, in the latter days. Why? Because you will do evil in the sight of Yahweh to provoke him to anger through the works of your hands, end quote. They couldn't ever stay in line. They were always drifting away, always. With universal disregard of the scriptures, we find our society skidding the same way into chaos. Only a small fraction of those called will go on to investigate further. They'll, only a few will open, crack crack open their Bibles and actually look to see what it says. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Thousands seek out megachurches for ear-tickling sweet nothings. But to honor Yahweh by living his word, that's asking just a little too much. And this fits Yahshua's prophecy in Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Or the faith on the earth? Either way, Paul warned in Colossians 2, 8, beware lest any man spoil, through, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. He's talking about traditions of men. Traditions. Vain deceit. Being deceived by those traditions. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Messiah. You know, our values are formed by our ancestors, by our parents, by our grandparents, the people we grew up with. What happened in the 1960s, however, shattered that foundation on which society was established, and we've been drifting away ever since. Many unable to discern wrong from right, unable to make moral judgments, Their thinking is twisted through philosophy and vain deceits. You can find the same thing basically in Jeremiah (coughs) 6.15. Commitment to the scriptures has become so squishy that few people feel any moral or spiritual obligation to the word. The Bible is just a dusty old book on the top of the bookshelf and we never take it down. It's there just in case, but... I mean, to actually seriously take it down and look at it. That's what the wake-up call is all about, brethren. We're getting into an era in our world that we're going to need more and more spiritual strength. For most, it's just lip service while their heart's desire is maximum personal fulfillment and satisfaction in this world. That's what they live for. People live for the weekend. You ever notice how... You go to town on Friday and people's spirits are kind of up, kind of up because they're looking forward to what? The weekend. We can go out and play, do things we like to do. We can go out and have parties. It's the weekend. Well, that happens for a different reason among Yahweh's people. They look forward to Yahweh's Sabbath. They look forward to being able to rest and not be Worried about doing this and that and this and that and keeping up the schedule and all of that. They just rest and they come and worship before Yahweh. They know the Sabbath rest is not far away. 
But even we can become lukewarm in our faith. So we examine ourselves before Passover. Where do I stand? How am I doing? Am I still enthusiastic over Yahweh's days? Am I ready to take the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth and the blood of Yahshua the Messiah? Everyone in earshot of these Sabbath messages should be sending in their feast reservations. I don't know how it's coming. I haven't asked Debbie, but I haven't heard much lately. One thing is certain, at sunrise, they'll be preparing to attend every feast come the kingdom. No apathetic attitudes there. Yahweh takes his covenant seriously. Skip the feast and suffer drought. That's the way it's going to be. Suffer drought. The dedicated believer understands it well. He won't drop his crown for any reason. What about prayer? Do we approach Yahweh only when we're in trouble or when we have a need and then wonder why our prayers often stop at the ceiling? Or do we praise him and thank him daily for all he does for us? Seen and unseen things he does for us. There are those who contact us only when they have a want. Uh, I need a vaccine excusal letter, please. I want counseling for my marriage that's on the rocks. My family is a mess. Fix it. The only contact we've ever had with them is right then. We don't even know who they are, basically. Typically, we've never seen or met them. Have no investment. They have no investment in the body of Messiah. They don't ever come even to meet the brethren, to worship on the Sabbath if they're close enough. Paul didn't start numerous assemblies in Asia Minor and Greece just so people in those locales could sit back, stay at the sidelines, and watch the happenings. Yahweh doesn't give the gifts of spirit at baptism to use on ourselves. There's a reason he gives that. The whole purpose is to put them to good use to uh, to, uh, glorify or edify the body. That's what they're about. Now, we're a... Well, I like to call a full-service ministry, and we, we are happy to help in any way we can. But sometimes, you know, just some reciprocal engagement would be nice. Be a nice touch. We face a full plate on every day in the service of the word. How about you? How about serving others? Paul established assemblies wherever he went for that reason. Again, that's what the gifts of the Spirit are meant for edify the body, to use whatever talent and ability Yahweh has given you to help others. You don't help others by sitting back in your lazy boy at home week after week after week. Helping, serving, sacrificing for others. Baptism and anointing to the Spirit is not the end. That's just the beginning of your service. Only the start of your service to the body. You think... Yahweh's okay with an occasional effort whenever the mood strikes. If you think that, you don't know Yahweh. When I read that his angels praise him nonstop, every day, all day long, in front of his throne, that's the kind of dedication he wants of his people. Daily communing with the body and not just prayerful SOS whenever they need it. Yasha said, what you do to the body, you do to me. Involvement in the body is pure worship, he said. 
If you don't express and reflect Yahweh every day in your life, then you're not really living for him. You're living for yourself. Anything less than a stellar effort won't cut it with Yahweh. You can't fool him. He knows you. He knows your inner self a lot better than you do. Revelation 3.15, I know your works. You're either neither cold or hot. I would. I wish you were cold or hot. It would be a lot easier deciding what to do with you if I knew if you were cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, that's not going to cut it either, neither cold or hot. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. 1 Peter 4.18, this one always scares me. The righteous scarcely be saved. Man, where do I stand? The resurrection of the first fruits, when Yahshua gathers his chosen, has demanding eligibility standards. He will assess your life before that time, and he's doing it right now. He's doing it right now as, as you are hearing this message, as you're keeping his Sabbath or not. You're being assessed. Am I worthy of the resurrection? How do I compare with the patriarchs of old? Again, Yasha right now is training his very priests who are going to serve him in his kingdom to learn his will, to learn how you apply his standards to life and to others. They will have been through the mill and will have come through faithfully. That doesn't happen with lukewarm commitments. Brethren, it's time for Reveille. It's time we as a body started preparing ourselves more earnestly for the time ahead. We don't know how much longer we'll be able to meet at Yahweh's feast. We don't know. We don't know how much longer we'll be able even to keep his Sabbath together in worship. Free speech and freedom of religion could soon be history. When the beast system is in full control, the true worshiper will be on the run. Will you have the stamina not to fall and drop your crown? And I fear for those who can, can't even be faithful now. They're too weak to overcome the pulls of the world that they face now. They need his feast. They need interaction with the brethren. They need his word. I look to the unfathomable situation of the Ukrainians freeing their, fleeing their country with nothing totally uprooted from their homes that lie behind them in rubble. What will you do if such happens to us? When we are forced to make serious decisions, will we go one way or will we go the other? That's when our faith will be really tested. You know, we've been through a couple of years of the COVID challenge, and that was just a small test. That was just something... The resolve, showing the resolve of Yahweh's people to continue to serve Yahweh. It was no, for us, we were going to keep the Sabbath worship nonstop no matter what. It didn't matter. We weren't going to shut down for fear of a bug. We bow before Yahweh of the universe, not a virus. We trusted Psalm 91. And I fully understand those facing serious health situations. They have even greater challenges. But some will find the flimsiest excuses not to come and worship with the brethren. So how do they think he will respond when he hands out his rewards? I think he'll probably turn the tables. 
the rewards for what? For choosing and serving this world over me? For putting yourself before my call? To the obedient, Malachi 3.17 says, They shall be mine, says Yahweh of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that, what? Serves him. Serves him. That's the secret. Look at the ones who served him in Malachi 3.16. Then they that feared Yahweh spake often one to another, and Yahweh hearkened and heard it. No doubt they were speaking of him, of his ways. They, he uh, said a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared Yahweh and that thought upon his name. New English Bible says, Then those who feared Yahweh talked together, and Yahweh paid heed and listened. A record was written before him of those who feared him and kept his name in mind. His name is central to who he is. These guys that are trying to argue at some other name against a, a wealth, uh, a basically unbelievable amount of proof that his name is Yahweh. And they come up with some alternative. It's just, it just amazing. Just amazing. So, how are they going to talk to Yahweh? Unless they're meeting together in his name, in his true name. You know, that's what the book of Acts records. The activities of the brethren. I like to call it activities. Activities how Peter and Paul went out to different assemblies and started different assemblies. They were together, moving and shaking for Yahweh. Could this book of remembrance be a continuing chapter in the book of Acts? Acts is all about the New Testament assembly and their exploits, but not just, not just that, their thoughts, their beliefs, their conversations, and their actions. It's all an example for us. See, Yahweh's faith is a faith of action. It's not static. You don't sit around doing nothing. You get out there and you move. Look at, look at the Hebrews. It just every, every chapter of the Old Testament speaks of action, doing, going, doing, worshiping, sacrificing, doing. That's what Yahweh wants. But unlike the other books, Acts ends abruptly. It just stops. It has no sign off like the other New Testament books have. It just leaves you kind of sort of hanging, waiting. Okay, what's next? What's next? That could be us. That could be us next. We could be written in that book. If we're his people, we have to believe we are, then what would preclude us to be in his, not be in his book? Malachi 3.18 Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves him, serves Yahweh, and him that serves not. Don't think you can look to the world for help. Ultimately, the world will no longer be civil to the true worshiper. Even families will do an about face if they haven't already. We hear about so many that have so much trouble with their families because they just don't understand the truth and they're not called to it. It's, it's hard, especially families. That's probably the toughest test you're going to have in following the truth. If they don't believe it, uh, you end up, well, I, just, I guess I go it alone. Maybe someday Yahweh will answer. 
Joshua prophesied in Matthew 10, 35, for I am come to set a man against at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Why? Why? Because the narrow way is tough. It's narrow. You got to squeeze by. We went to a feast one time and we, uh, we went to a hike in a, in a cave. And I'm telling you, you got this much room to squeeze by in this one spot and some of the brethren couldn't make it. One of them actually got stuck. The narrow way is a lot narrower than we think. I wish I could sugarcoat this, but I can't. Serving Yahweh has costs. Serving Yahweh means sacrificing some of our own wants, our own desires for him. Matthew 24, 3, Yahshua gave us details on the end time sequence of events, Bolivet prophecy, and he sent up, on the Mount of Olives, disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the world, of the end of the age? He answered, the first thing he said was, Don't let anybody deceive you. Deceive you. There's going to be lots of things going on, lots of opinions, lots of teachings flying around. He said, Watch it. Stick close to the word. Look at the word and say, Is this what's happening? For many will come in my name, saying, I'm Messiah, and shall deceive many. People are going to be looking for a Savior. They'll latch on to almost anyone who says he is, with a promise of help and a promise of salvation. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Well, we've we've seen all of that happening already. We've seen the pestilence for two years now. And we're seeing right now nation against kingdom. But not so much the famines or earthquakes yet. All these are the beginning of sorrows, he said. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. They're just going to be going crazy crazy against people who believe the Bible. That's how evil it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to. Many false prophets, verse 11, shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity or sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's a scary thought. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this good news of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. All nations. Growing up, I thought, well, how, how can that happen? How could, how could all nations hear Yahweh's word? Well, online access makes it possible, doesn't it? Everybody. You look at these people over in wherever, Kosovo or... or uh, Kenya, Africa, they've all got their cell phones. They've all got the truth right there. They can tune in to YRM app. It's possible. Revelation 6, 9. When we stand up for truth in that day, we could literally be putting our heads on the chopping block. You can go ahead and read the rest. 6, 10, 11. White robes were given unto every one of them who was true, 
And it was said unto them that they should rest a little while until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Why doesn't Yahweh just put an end to the martyrdom of his saints? Because others have to be given the same test of faith. It's, it's going to be a real test of faith, brethren. Are we willing to do what we know we must do right now? Are we hearing the reveille? How strong is your faith? Paul says, I die daily. 1 Corinthians 15.31. He looked on the, I guess, the sacrificial pattern of his life and said, well, at any moment, I can give up my life. It's just the way it is. I've served Yahweh the best I could. I've made up for, I guess, the, the bad years that I didn't know the truth and did a lot of stupid stuff. And now I've done my best to make it right. If that was in his head, I don't know. But I would think that would cross his mind because he tried to reach people that say, oh, you're that guy that, that persecutes the truth. And you're out preaching it now? Come on. What kind of ruse is this? You know? He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the master Yahshua, that the life also of Yahshua might be made manifest in our body. We always have Yahshua. He'll always be there for us if we're true to him and we serve him. Verse 11 Four eleven. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Yahshua's sake, that the life also of Yahshua might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. If we think that we lie low, maybe we can get through this unscathed. Think again. Because only Yahweh can give refuge. Only he can do and keep us safe. He talks about putting his people on the wings of an eagle, taking them into the wilderness for safety. We find ourselves in that situation, hallelujah. If we have to give our lives up, hallelujah, we've got a much greater promise coming. Jeremiah 4 is a parallel to Revelation 6, giving us some more details about the coming uh, things on this earth. If you thought New York City looked bad after 9-11, wait till the entire planet resembles Ukraine. Revelation 6-12 mirrors the same time when Yahweh takes control. 12-17, read it. The faith chapter, Hebrews 11, gives us a test of what it was like for the patriarchs of old to go through what they did, who walked a different path than the world had. He said they're not going to be taken in by the world. We're going to live for Yahweh. And how can we expect anything different, brethren? Going the same path of truth. Going the same path that Yahshua did. How did he end up? The biggest mistake nominal worship makes is in not grasping that a real commitment to Yahweh to say that they love the L-O-R-D has to be lived and not just alleged. He comes first in everything. It should be shown in your life that you put Yahweh first. When the Tower of Siloam fell in Luke 13, 
The front page headline on the Siloam News Tribune asked, Where was Yahweh? Read what Yahshua said about this calamity. Luke 13, 4. Or those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them. Think that they were sinners above all men that dwelt at Jerusalem? Were they just particularly evil people that Yahweh just put an end to? I tell you, no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. They were sinners like everybody else. Yahweh protects his people. I, I really believe it. Sometimes he has a reason for not, but it's all in his, his hands. We, we do what he, uh, what he expects. Yahweh's general protection is being lifted from this planet now, I believe, and he will show man or allow man to reap the consequences of his sin. Where was Yahweh? It's a question that a lot of people ask. Someone had an accident. Where was Yahweh? That, that assumes that he approves of sinful lifestyles and protects us in our sins. Remember, it was man that did this, not Yahweh. Yahweh is going to allow, our, to, uh, allow us to harm ourselves until one day we bow our knee to him and beg to show have him show us what his will is. If we could get America to begin obeying Yahweh, we would see one miracle after another. One miracle after another in our nation. Then you'd see the arm of Yahweh, but apparently it's not yet. It will happen eventually. But until such a time, our world is going to continue on this path of destruction and judgment. Brethren, the rebel... The trumpet sound is now. Reveille is now. It's time we rededicate to Yahweh. With this coming feast, make this the turning point. If you've got some things going on in your life that aren't right, make this the turning point to change that, to dedicate to Yahweh. It's time we really start walking as sons and daughters of the coming king. And Yahweh doesn't accept part-time commitments. A worshiper is only mildly involved. Israel was expected to dedicate their very lives to the Father. He took them out into the wilderness, and they had to live for him. They had to rely on him and his mena, his what's-it, for food. Maybe that'll happen again in these end days. Day in and day out. One of the ways he impressed that upon them was through daily sacrifices. That animal had to come from each individual's stock or flock. They learn that dedication, total and daily dedication, comes at a cost to each person. Today, Yahweh has established certain criteria for his people. He's not going to lower the bar for any reason. You can't sneak by on excuses with such a father as we have. I once worked with a fellow who boasted that he could talk his way out of anything until he got a DWI. There was no way around it. He was caught dead to rights, as they say. The evidence was irrefutable, and he lost the case, and he lost his job. Yahweh's law is going to come down hard on any lawbreaker. All will be judged by it and found guilty or innocent. 
and recompensed accordingly. He promises that. We each will be uh, judged by what we do in this life. When he tells us not just once, but over and over throughout the scriptures to keep his commandments, keep his statutes and judgments, and his feasts, we better start listening. And just because we don't get immediate punishment when we disobey doesn't mean it will never happen because he's the one that says, I will repay. Notice the criteria Yahweh judges by in Revelation 20.12. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before Elohim, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books. How were they judged? They were judged according to their works, it says. See, Yahweh doesn't like lukewarm. He doesn't like Laodicean attitudes. You might as well be in rebellion if you're just going to be lukewarm and play the game. Make it look good. Make it look like you've got a religion when you really have nothing because that is where you are when you're completely disobedient. Lukewarm to him means resistance. Resistance. Revelation 3.15, I know your works. Here you are. You're not either. To use. We're called for a purpose to join in the covenant family. This isn't just something we put on the shelf that we can pull down someday when we need it. We're called to this in black and white where obedience is concerned. You're either in or you're out. The time is now to make the necessary changes to be true as a child of Yahweh. We all know we can do better. We all know that we must do better if we're going to be among the chosen. If the just will barely be saved, good night. Read Haggai 1. Read the entire chapter. I'm not going to spend the time doing it. I don't think I have the time. But, uh, but read it. Yahweh says, your houses look great, but mine is trash. Because of that, you'll never be satisfied. and You'll get drought and famine. The people had a change of heart and began to work on the temple. And that's what he wanted. They heard their reveille. They started to get with it. Take that account of Haggai and fast forward it to today. Turn to Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. It describes our day, I think, better than most other uh, times that come to mind. Beware that you forget not Yahweh your Elohim and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command you this day. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built goodly houses and dwell therein, in other words, you're taking care of Good old number one. And when your herds and your flocks, flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied, you're rich, you got cattle, you got a beautiful home, a mansion, and all of that is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up and you forget Yahweh, your Elohim, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You know, Israel was at their best when they were under duress. And that's the same with us. When we're under the gun, we become very humble and turn to Yahweh, don't we? When we have nowhere else to turn, we've tried everything else, oh, we'll go to Yahweh. That's human nature. Hopefully, Yahweh's people aren't that way. So if you're faced with trials, especially before the feast, and it always seems to come that way, 
look at it as a time to grow, as a time to grow spiritually, as a time to become more dedicated in your walk. It's important that we turn to Yahweh. As Yahweh and I, I believe that's why he has seven annual feasts scattered throughout the year, so we can keep coming back, you know, keep coming back to him, because we get off track a lot of times. I get real encouragement from Hebrews 10, verse 30 to 39. For we know him that has said, vengeance belongs unto me, I will recompense, said Yahweh. And again, Yahweh shall judge his people. For it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living Elohim, but call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. You came to the truth. You said, I'm going to follow it no matter what. I don't know, whatever anybody throws at me, family, friends, whatever, I'm going to endure it. Partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions. What's wrong with him? He's sick. I remember uh, my grandfather had polio, and uh, he, uh, from that disease, his one leg was about this big around, he walked with a limp, but he still walked, still worked as a carpenter, climbing ladders, and, uh, but the people would, and I can understand, they would bring food to the house because he wasn't working, he worked for himself, and they would drop it off on the doorstep and run away. And I can understand that. But that's the way. You know, he's got something. I could get it. And we get it. You know, we've been through the mask thing too. Uh, but he survived and Yahweh blessed him. So, both a gazing stock by reproaches and afflictions and partly while you became companions of them that were so used, for you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. We always have that hope. What's awaiting us in the future if we stand firm? We have that hope. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of Yahweh, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back... My soul shall have no pleasure in him, but we are not of them who draw back unto per perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. It says, a little while, hang on, as uh, uh, Brother Jose said. Yahweh's on his own time schedule. We want things done now. How come he's not answering now? Why isn't he doing something now? And then we find out, oh, I see, I see the plan. There was a reason why. As we examine ourselves in these few weeks before Passover, it's time to get a new standard in our life, perhaps. Put aside the pettiness. Put aside the crazy things that we do and the ill will we might harbor against somebody. That's also preparing for the Passover. Now is the time to commit all the way to Yahweh. I remember a brother came to me Years ago, it was right before the Passover, and he uh, came to me and said, I want to apologize. I said, why? He says, I've always have a little bit of, I was always miffed that uh, you weren't doing such and such a thing, and I felt you should have been doing it. 
And so I just want to clear the air. I said, I appreciate that. I didn't know that you had these feelings, but I'm sure glad you told me. And now, you know, you have a catharsis of cleansing and uh, you've repented and that's what it takes. When it says, confess your sins one to another, I do not believe it means go to a priest. I believe it means to those you have harmed, confess as this brother did and come clean. That's what I feel it means. And the time is coming, brethren, when you're going to be so glad that you did. Actually do it. And not just think about it. And not just talk about it, but do it. And that's what the feasts are all about. To do it. To spend the whatever resources it is, the money it's going to take, the high gas prices come anyway, um, to take the time out from work, whatever it means, or school, and put Yahweh first. You don't think you're, you won't be blessed for that? Why would he not bless you for that? Doing his will. Against all opposition, perhaps. To do his will and come before him. So let's prepare for the feast. Let's hear the reveille. And do what we can. To get ourselves ready. To cleanse. From the sin, perhaps, that we've gotten involved in, maybe. Or... Uh, things that we've done that aren't right in our life. We're expressing the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. Let's do that. And then we'll be ready for the feast and for the Passover. May Yahweh bless you.